And you people, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. We are explorers. We're going to stumble, make mistakes, I'm sure more than a few before we find our footing. But we're going to learn from those mistakes. That's what being human is all about. It is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. That is not a weakness, that is life. We're Starfleet officers. Weird is part of the job. Base, the final frontier. Make it so. Do it. Hit it. Let's fly. You're Lindsay. You're Aiden. And we are the Bixpod. And we're here today to discuss uh, the third installment in the original series motion picture sextuplets. Sextology. Sextology. Sextuplets. Well, the, the search six for Spock. The yeah, search for the search Spock. For Spock. Is the film <laughs> that we're discussing today. <laughs> the third one. The third one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. It's a. Let's let's start off very high level, Lindsay. Uh, where? How high does this one rank? compared to say the two that come on either side like if you had to just do it the, the the mini trilogy in the middle right 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 where where do you think this one stands i mean i've always liked the voyage home number four mm-hmm. um more than i like wrath of khan and search for spock to me are there's they're like yeah they're they're twins, they're twins. Like yeah they're connected twins. Yeah, yeah yeah and and i i don't like wrath of khan as much as other people do i still think it's good but i don't if i were to sit down and watch a film it wouldn't be that one okay yeah fair um fair. and you don't watch search for spock unless you've just watched wrath of khan i feel it's true yeah it's not something so, you can just yeah dive into separately, but but yeah. having said that it's still i think um it well we'll talk about it but it, it picks up on a lot of the same themes and mm-hmm. um all the good stuff that I like about Wrath of Khan. Yes. It 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 almost it feels like it's the spiritual successor. It's like the motion picture and Wrath of Khan had a baby. Right? It's got <laughs> it's got the best of both. I think. A little bit, okay. What about okay. you? Where does it rank for you? Uh, I'd say it's probably my least favorite of the three, but it's still it's a very strong Star Trek movie. Yeah. Um I do like that it yeah, it feels like well, and this is an '80s thing, right? There are all these '80s movies. You know, you just continued where the last one yeah, yeah, left yeah. off. Yeah, uh, this is very much the uh, Empire Strikes Back of. Well, the Empire Strikes Star Back. Strikes. There was a bit of a gap there, but yeah, not much of one. But it, more, I'm thinking more like Back to the Future, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you know, literally yeah, that too. That too. the end of the first movie. They just yes. pick up at the start of the second yes. one, um, and also Harold and Kumar. Uh, did this as well it's uh, not and, an 80s movie. and no but they 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 did it as a callback to 80s movies oh, that's that's part yeah, of the yeah, thing yeah, right. um so yeah i mean it was just it's i love that it's just a continuation it's it's what you did before you could do um you know prestige tv where you could tell these longer stories right. over multiple seasons you did it in a couple of movies and they each, you know mostly stood alone but uh, also didn't and for search for spock i think it's the weakest individual movie but yeah. it's it's obviously the centerpiece of this whole little trilogy which so, is a great trilogy i think it is it, it's kind of neat i didn't really realize it I, there's a lot of things that i'm realizing about <laughs> these films that i've seen so many times that now that i'm actually like um Thinking analyzing about them, a little them bit? yeah I'm yeah like, oh okay yeah, you know i never thought about it that way think about it, yeah. it's a submarine battle <laughs> like where the hell has my head been at not there and that's it's totally fine lens but uh yeah this is a it's a it's a gooder mm-hmm. what am i a doctor or a moon shuttle conductor 
Um, so Search for Spock was pretty much greenlit immediately after Wrath of Khan premiered. I think like the next day. Oh, really? It was literally the next day when awesome. when uh, um, Har Bennett was given the green light to go. I think it was. And we didn't we didn't talk about him much last no. episode because we really focused on Nicholas Meyer and his role in, in really bringing Wrath of Khan, yeah. you know, to fulfillment. But uh, Har Bennett is kind of like the central producer writer for this, everything this for this whole trilogy. Yeah. yeah, he really. So I mean, he's absolutely instrumental. And he's he's a TV guy. Yes. Yes. So he was brought in to produce when they kind of elbowed Roddenberry out. Um, following mm-hmm. motion picture yeah. and um, for better or for worse you can have whatever thoughts you want about that yeah. but um, I think he does bring a certain there's a pace yeah. to the, these films that um, feels more I think we talked about it in our last episode that it felt more like the TV series yeah, at moments, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Search for Spock definitely feels like it could have been like an extended episode yeah. of in, in all the best ways. Yeah, right? exactly. All the good ways. Like yeah. you complain about that with the movies sometimes is that they just like the motion picture felt like uh, a TV episode that was stretched too long. Yeah. But this one, it feels like the right pace, the right timing, you know, all the, the beats hit yeah, properly yeah. and stuff. Similar to the Wrath of Khan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so Nicholas Meyer did not direct this one. Leonard yes. Nimoy did. Yes. Um, Nicholas Meyer uh, hated the idea of Spock being brought back to life. Yeah. He hated that resurrection storyline. Yeah. Um, and to a certain extent, I can see where he's where yeah, he's coming absolutely. from because the emotional gut punch that is Spock's death to be undercut so quickly, yeah, um, is kind of like, yeah, I can see where that would be a little bit aggravating to your yeah. work of art, like yeah. and, and Ronald Moore <clears throat> uh, pointed it out in the Center Seat documentary that we we watched about the movies, uh, you know that it's it even happens in Wrath of Khan. They have that very telling shot of oh, there's the torpedo that has Spock's body landing mm-hmm. on planet Genesis. You know, I wonder Wind what's going to happen there. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you well, know. they kind of knew. I think, and like we'll talk about this when we get into the story a bit. Um, they kind of knew that they were they were setting up. Yeah, the potential, the potential yeah. for a, a third movie at the end of Wrath of Khan. So, um, and, and, and Nicholas Meyer fought that tooth and nail yeah, as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, but anyway, he, he declined to direct, um, and Leonard Nimoy wanted to direct, but he was almost dissuaded or, or not allowed to direct <laughs> yes. by everyone's favorite CEO, CEO Michael Eisner. <laughs> I don't know, he wasn't CEO. He wasn't at the but time. He but he was he was a higher up executive, and he thought uh, Leonard Nimoy hated Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, so wasn't going to let him direct, and and eventually Nimoy um, convinced him otherwise. So yep. he got he got to direct. He was the first cast member to direct. Um, it, starting off this long tradition of cast members directing their, uh, you know, episodes or films. Yep. Jonathan Frakes did Two it. Takes, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's. Um, and it's good. It's a good film because of it. I think Leonard Nimoy having, you know, this kind of kicked off his directorial career. Mm. He did my other movies after this, but yeah. um, uh, he has a he has a good feel for. I mean, he's the original Vulcan, and this is a story about Vulcans, really. Yeah, yeah. And Klingons, but he was instrumental <laughs> in bringing the Klingons in too. So, yeah. um, I think I think it benefits from that. Not to say that Nicholas Meyer wouldn't have done a good job, but. Having Leonard Nimoy as director, I think, was a good choice. Yeah, yeah, and it worked out well. And he also directed four, right? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, he, he really did kind of see the the story through yeah. to this conclusion. So, yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. 
there's a an interesting thing that they do at the beginning of this film too, where they they employ again a Harv Bennett TV. Yes, uh, I forgot about that until we watched the, it like, again. Yeah, previously on Star Trek, <laughs> um, where they kind of flash, you know, flashback over Spock's death and set yeah, that up to and, kind of set it up. And I I wonder why you would have to do that. It was only two years. Okay, three it was years. two, but. You know, people are coming to the theater. They don't know what they're going to see. Oh, a Star Trek movie. Okay, yeah, sure, I'll go see that. And they just, they I don't guess. know. They don't even know any of the characters possibly. So you got to do a little bit of hand I guess, as, I guess. A, but it is interesting. It, it's definitely a, um, it makes us feel more like a trilogy. It, mm-hmm. it fits in with that that feeling. They even do it, they make it look like a TV screen almost. Like yes, it's far yes. away and it's kind of like, like that yeah. washed out. It's not quite black and white, yeah. but it's, it's a little David monochromatic. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. A little fire walk <laughs> with me, right? But without all the creepy overtones, right? Um, so you get you get that, and and the opening of what becomes the central theme of friendship and, yeah. and everything, kind of underscored from the very beginning, which is uh, kind of a clever, a clever conceit. Mm-hmm. And this is where um, the idea was planted. So back when they were filming Wrath of Khan. Um, I can't remember who it was that asked yeah, someone, Nimoy. Someone was like, Nemo, you got to do something to, to wrap it up. Yeah, like, well, and leave the door open, yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. I think by that point, even though Leonard Nimoy had wanted to be written out of the series, he kind of... He was having second was, thoughts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so he was the one who came up with the idea of the whole like mind meld, remember thing with McCoy. Yeah. And so that's shown at the beginning of uh, Search for Spock as well. And... And then that whole idea of the Katra, which never really existed before that, is kind of fleshed out in this story. And it's got this uh, this heft to it because it's Leonard Nimoy kind of coming up with that. Because mm-hmm. he invented all of this. Yeah, all this, right? like yeah, he, all this Vulcan stuff. He created stuff. it. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a good place to kind of start the film. And um, picking up, like, the inciting incident being related to the the heightened climax of yeah of the previous uh, movie the previous absolutely movie yeah yeah really brilliant yeah it, it does it works it works really well so script leaks during <laughs> yes. star trek which we, we forgot to mention uh roddenberry is credited as leaking the the script that killed yeah. spock so in Rathapon, uh, yeah yeah so that was just i uh, know we forgot to mention last, last but episode, they but. uh they had a close set for this one and really um Really clamped down because they knew they were going to be destroying the Enterprise. I think yeah. that was going to be the big reveal. The big and reveal. can you? I mean, oh geez, it's the Enterprise. Yeah. How can you kill the Enterprise? Well, and I remember watching uh, Generations in the theater yeah. as an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, and watching the Enterprise T yes. go down in onto the crash on the planet and just being absolutely heartbroken. Like, yeah. no, that's the ship I grew up watching, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it it, it hurts so hard. Yeah. So it would be the exact same here, right? And absolutely, it's just crazy to think. So about. yeah, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Tell him he's a pretty cat and a good cat. I will feed him. So the budget uh, for this one was slightly higher. It was not the uh, TV show budget, basically. Uh, it was $16 million for this one. Which $13 million Yeah, previously? it was $13 million previously, or 12 and a half, I think. And yeah. uh, just as a counterpoint, I believe Empire Strikes Back was uh, 16 or $18 million as well. So it was in the same range when yeah. you think about it, which is crazy because Star Wars was, at that point, already yeah, obviously but how a much, massive... How much did they spend on the motion picture? 
Oh, 45, I It was think? insane. It was 40 like, at when least, you, yeah. When you realize how much they spent on that movie. Yes. Compared to... <laughs> All three Star Wars. Yeah, the f- initial trilogy, <laughs> yeah, combined is just, is eye-watering. But uh, yeah, so it was it was very much, uh, uh, they, they had a little bit more money to spend on the special effects. You know, you get the, the bird of prey and yeah. you get a few, few more explosions and, and the other... The death of the Enterprise. The death of the Enterprise, which was a very intricate shot, obviously. Space dock, which is yeah. actually really cool to see. Yeah, exactly, yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff like that. Um, and yeah, it, they again they still continue to reuse things like the costumes the maroon was was in. It's not going anywhere for this yeah. era, um, and so uh, and a lot of the sets obviously didn't need to be remade or anything like that. Um, but there are some new ones like uh, the Bird of Prey bridge and, and mm-hmm. uh, the Genesis planet is feels a little low budget. Like you you get this sense it's supposed to be like a tropical paradise, but yeah. even as soon as they land, basically or they beam down, it's already a barren wasteland, which is just you well, go to Northern California and that wow, fits there with it is. The, that fits with the. Um, the idea that the Genesis planet is on its way to destroying itself. But um, it wasn't filmed. It was filmed on sound stages. Yes, there was nothing yes, yes. that was filmed. One scene. Yes, the yeah, the Vulcan stair stairs. Yeah. was filmed on location somewhere. Oh, that's cool. Everything else yeah, was filmed yeah, yeah, on sound yeah. stages. So they just didn't have the budget for it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and they did, again, they reused things like uh, the bar that McCoy goes to um, was the Enterprise Sick Bay yep. repurposed. Uh, the Grissom Bridge was obviously the Enterprise Bridge. Everybody kind of mm-hmm. saw that right away. Um, and then there was a, oh, there was a fire. That's right, a fire onset that damaged the soundstage and caused a delay uh, during the during the actual production. And Shatner so. really likes to talk about this when... Uh, oh, really? Yeah, because apparently um, he was... It legitimately, apparently, was one of the people who grabbed a fire hose and was trying to help. Yeah, put it in. But I've heard that he like ran into the burning building and <laughs> saved someone. And I'm like, I don't know Shatner, if that's true yeah. or if that's just William Shatner being William Shatner. But mm. uh, he, you really, know. he really thinks he's Kirk sometimes. I think. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It's yeah. Too. So I mean, that was the one big uh, blow. I think to the production the seems like stuff. it went pretty smoothly. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like um, Industrial Light and Magic, who did all of the uh, graphics and models and everything like that, were involved from a pretty early stage, yeah. unlike with The Wrath of Khan, where they came in quite late in production. Yeah. So they kind of had a role in the planning phase and were able to... I think that's that's one of the reasons why, yes, some of the sets... And, and like the Genesis planet was a model, a lot of it. Like when the destruction yeah, was okay. happening, yeah, yeah, yeah. You it, tell, it can yeah, feel a little yeah, bit, you yeah. know, but... Whatever, it looks fine. Yeah, yeah, for the time. Yeah. Um, but it does feel like it's a little bit more integrated, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And uh, yeah, I mean, so... A few of the particular ones that they, mm-hmm. they did and, and a bit of detail on them. Uh, so the Bird of Prey was originally designed to be a Romulan ship. Because originally the Romulans were going to be the bad guys. The bad guys, yeah. And I think um, it was Nimoy again who said, no, we got to go with the Klingons. Go with the Klingons. But they had already built the the Romulan um, ship. ship and they just, I, I guess there was an earlier draft or, or some kind of like background detail where the Klingons had stolen the ship or had been given it by the Romulans or something and that's yeah. why they had it because I, it's only in certain shots that you can see the wing pattern on yeah. the bottom that is very reminiscent of a Romulan yeah anyway yeah well in the original Bird of Prey yeah, yeah they yeah, had yeah. this kind of like yeah starburst like flatter feathers. yeah feathers yeah, yeah exactly yeah um, um which yeah the Klingon ships do and, I, and I'd always heard 
uh, that that was the canonical reason. I don't know where I heard it or when I heard it. But no, what the, was the canonical reason? The canonical reason that the Cleons, first of all, had cloaking technology. Yeah. And the Bird of Prey was that they stole both from the, the Romulans and then right. just, you know, reverse engineered kind of built I them get, and stuff. I get really confused between the Romulan ship name and the Klingon ship name. I think, is this also just because... Well, so the Bird of Prey was the original one in the original series, but then it's a Romulan, a Romulan Warbird, Warbird in Next Generation. The green one with the little... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two poles or right. whatever. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So that's a Warbird. And the Klingon bird of prey, and then a Klingon battle cruiser is yeah, the yeah, one yeah. with the fine. But the because knob. you've got a warbird and a bird of prey, and the bird of prey was originally a Romulan ship. I think so. I yeah. See, this is what I mean. It is. It's confusing. It's very confusing and not helped by this film. <laughs> is is my point. Absolutely. Um, again, another uh, one they did build uh, the space dock. Yeah, it looks amazing. They had two separate sets for this one. They had the exterior yes. shot that was, I think, six feet. It was about six oh, feet tall. Oh, a six feet tall model. And then okay. the interior one was 20 feet wide or 20 feet tall or something like that. Oh, it was wow. huge so that they could film the models. The models inside of it. Inside of it. Right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds like it, just reading about how they built this stuff, I'm like, I wish I worked in props. It sounds like <laughs> such a neat problem to have. Like you're building this thing that's supposed to be like all lit, for example, all these little windows and, and space dock is like a huge, it's like a, it's like a city in space. Yeah. Like a lot of the, in Earth space dock, I think it had a capacity of like, a million people or something like that. Yeah, it yeah, like, it was supposed to be you gigantic. Could have yeah, yeah. A whole entire city of people living on this space dock. So yeah. it had to look lively and there were different sections. Well, yeah, for there's, different the, there's the guys vacuuming or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah no, it's, the ship goes out, you right? know, like it feels so, like. It, yeah. And the restaurants and, and bars and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But they weren't going to individually build like yeah. each little room with the light inside. So they just yeah. painted it and then scratched out where they wanted the windows to be and uh. lit everything from the inside oh, with wow. different colors. That's and awesome. I'm like, that. That would just be, like, I would get such a feeling of pride and accomplishment <laughs> if I was like, I'm going to do this and it's going to work and then it does. And it looks good, yeah. You know, like yeah. hearing these guys talk about um, how they blew up the Enterprise, for example, using mm. talcum powder to make yeah. it look, I'm like, there's just, there's just something cool about that. <laughs> I'm in the wrong line of work, apparently. <laughs> well, and it doesn't exist as much anymore because everybody uses CGI, which is True. really a shame because like, yeah, these practical effects, they look good still. I mm-hmm. mean... The, mm-hmm. This movie in particular, actually, I thought looked... I can see now why there were some criticisms of Wrath of Khan. Not so much for the ship battles, but just the lack of um, variety of the shots. Mm-hmm. Like, the, it's very minimal what you see outside the the ship in Wrath of Khan. Which is a stylistic uh, Yeah. It, it, matched, it matched the hornblower mm-hmm. feel, you know. It's really focused more on the characters and stuff mm-hmm. on the ship. Um, but here you get a little bit more, you know, like the, the bird of prey swinging around to blow yeah. up the, the ship that sold them the Genesis information, stuff like that. Just cool little shots like well, that. I heard somewhere or read somewhere that the, the, the bridge of the bird of prey was from a set that was built for another movie that was never I seem made to recall or something. Seeing that too. So it's not even like it's purpose built to be a Klingon ship, but it, it ends up becoming kind of the standard iconic yeah, Klingon like ship. Yeah. Everything about the Klingons is defined in this movie, yeah. really, yeah. for the next Thirty yeah. some years until Discovery changed things. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll later we'll, on. We'll talk about the Klingons okay. in a second. But but it, it, just a note though, because they do rejig the bridge for uh, part four, obviously when yes. you know they need humans to yes. man it and and, and have, have like, discussions you know, and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Cameras. On. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, we already talked about the de- destruction of the Genesis planet that was created in miniature, yeah. and how there were there were a couple of instances where um, what ILM was doing they were having a hard time matching up the live action shots when you had to insert live action shots. Yeah. And that was one of them was the destruction of the Genesis planet, which didn't 
they, they had a hard time doing that. And I think, um, especially in the one scene where uh, Kirk and Spock are beamed up onto the bird of prey oh, yeah. at the very end, yeah. I think that was a difficult scene for them to film because, uh, okay. I don't know, lighting issues yeah, or per- potentially yeah, yeah. or something. Because yeah. they did do a lot of really weird things to get the light to be... Look realistic. Yeah, yeah with yeah. like... Yeah. You know, things dripping onto yeah, like the acrylic. lava and like yeah, well, yeah, yeah but then yeah. but then it ended up like dripping onto cameras and oh, kind of things and like I don't know. So I've heard, so I've read. Yeah. Um, another thing that they did um, when Krug falls from the, his golem scene. <laughs> with yeah. the Mount Doom. Yeah. When he falls off the, like, Kirk kicks him in the face, didn't yeah. fall. He's pushed <laughs> off of this cliff. Yeah. Um, they they filmed it against a black screen. It wasn't a green screen. Oh. Which I didn't know you could yeah, do. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Um, so they had Christopher Lloyd falling onto this black mat or whatever. Yeah. And then they used a puppet to show him falling the rest of the way, and they cleverly spliced uh, it in with, like, a flash of lightning or something. Yeah. Um, but because it was filmed on a black screen and not a green screen, you couldn't just... Yeah. Yeah, you superimpose it on no, top. No, they, yeah. they had to rotoscope it in, frame by frame. Yeah. Oh, my God. Which is, like, crazy. That must have been so expensive and time-consuming. Right? Wow. Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. That's You should always plan ahead when you're filming. But, uh, yeah, and another uh, obviously iconic scene is the Enterprise destruction. Destruction of the Enterprise, yes. Really catches you. Um, and there's that really cool effect <laughs> of the... Uh, the like hall yeah number. registry number just melting away yeah and uh that was done by dripping acetone on top of styrofoam yeah. so uh that's if you ever want to recreate that bubbly and and then look, putting uh burning steel wool to create the glow yeah, of like the, like the embers coming inside. up yeah yeah um it was not the original model i guess the uh visual effects supervisor was quite disappointed that he couldn't blow up the original model yes ken ralston yeah which uh <laughs> Cost something like two hundred thousand dollars or something yeah. to build, so of course they're not going to destroy it. But um, he really wanted to, so there's, <laughs> there's maybe a little bit of catharsis. Every, well, there. everybody complained about that model, like in Rathcon too, because it was just it was huge. It, it was, was hard, to manage. hard to manage. Yeah, and it was just like if you wanted to add any effects to it, you couldn't because it was so expensive. Was that so. the original model from the original series? No, from the motion they, picture. From the motion yeah, because they had they to redo it. it for You're the, right. For That's the movie. right. Yeah. We talked so about yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the film debuts in at June. 1984, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, on a record number of screens, like almost 2,000 screens, and ended up taking home almost $90 million worldwide yeah. in box office totals. Uh, people loved it. Critics kind of loved it. It got generally positive reviews. Yeah. But it, it didn't matter because it virtually guaranteed that there would be a fourth yeah. film. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that story had already been was already being written or yeah. I guess we'll talk about it when we get to Star Trek 4. Yeah, but I, I, I got the sense that yes, there was there was already some some discussion of what the, the next one would look like right mm-hmm. away, obviously. So yeah. So this episode it is Lindsay's turn to do uh one of our fabulous <laughs> flawless uh 30 second plot synopsis of the movie so much irony oh my god just like uh, well if listeners if you heard last episode you know how well (laughs) this usually goes when i'm doing it Lindsay's a little better uh she's she's a little more talented a little more succinct a little more succinct uh so Lindsay, i have 30 seconds on the timer you let me know when you're ready i'm ready three two 
What? So Spock's dead. He's transferred his soul into McCoy. McCoy's going crazy. They have to go steal the Enterprise, go to the Genesis planet to retrieve Spock's body. On the way, they discover that, or when they get there, they discover that the Klingons have also discovered the Genesis project, and they want their hands on it. They've trapped uh, scientists, including Kirk's son, on the planet. So now Kirk has to not just save Spock, he has to maybe save his son and get the Genesis out of the Genesis planet out of the hands of the Klingons. He succeeds. Spock returns happy ending and i did it in 30 seconds you can just fuck right off with that see i just don't get caught up in the details yeah i, I go right you into would go like, you would go like okay so in the first scene opening, the opening scene. credits yeah <laughs> 30 seconds go by <laughs> long time ago in a galaxy far from <laughs> and then go from there i don't but know yes, did no, I, that was did great no that was that was pretty dang flawless um oh, one thing that sorry and as you were saying it, i forgot mm-hmm. to we forgot to mention it in the uh production history but uh christy alley obviously did not oh, come back yes. to reprise her role as savick even yes. though she is in the 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 film so uh i guess there were a bunch of like she did not enjoy the Wrath of Khan. She did not enjoy the that. Hollywood experience. I didn't know that either. Um, but that that apparently was the word. Um, and then she came back and asked for like way too much money kind of thing to like just make sure she wouldn't be back in the in the film. So she was replaced. Um, and the actress who uh, took her role. Yeah, Robin Curtis. Robin her Curtis. Name is, her name is, yes. I think so. Did a great job. I, I actually kind of prefer her. I do too. As Savick. She has a very, uh, a much colder kind of feel yeah um just in keeping with with spock and i feel like maybe part of that's because again nimoy was directing and yeah you know could have those little conversations with her um and yeah yeah she so. is she is a central figure in this much more than in um wrath of khan she yeah. plays a much more important role because it's her and david um who discover spock on the genesis planet yeah. and that storyline is kind of on the side at the beginning because you get this this whole kind of almost a continuation of the themes of Wrath of Khan with like the Enterprise is going to be um, mothballed basically because yeah. it's such an old ship and everybody's going to be dispersed like Scotty's going to go on the Excelsior and everybody's moving on to other things and um, so that whole continuation of the idea that uh, you can age out of these career-defining or life-defining yeah. roles yeah. is picked up at the very beginning. So that seems to be, that's the central idea. And it, it, I love the idea that there's like this Ocean's Eleven heist that kicks everything off. It's <laughs> yes. so much fun. Yeah. I know Nichelle Nichols was disappointed with the amount of screen time she yeah. was originally, well, that she, she got. Up but it. she did so much with that screen yes. time that she ended up loving it. And yeah. I agree. Like, I think Yeah, that, she stole that entire sequence. Yeah. Like, just her, you know, chatting up the young dude and then yeah. kicking him in the closet exactly. and everything. Yeah, it was wonderful. It's so great. And, and that they all pull together. I mean, it's... A little bit more of that small universe type thing where, you know, everybody would, you know, still be able... It's not quite the same thing, but it just... It beggars belief, I guess, a little bit that they'd all be able to just make off with the Enterprise and that they'd all be together and could do all this stuff and... But, you know, Scotty um, sabotaging the Excelsior and... Great sequence, um, yeah. Breaking McCoy out of his... Because he's he's gone nuts, right? Um, It's just a great... Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a great little... uh, humorous nod to the camaraderie i think that the the cast and um, those characters would have had absolutely and it, it builds upon that thematically like you said it's it is really about friendship mm-hmm. and the the lengths one would go to to uh fill the the bonds of that friendship and and bring someone back that that that's left the group basically yeah and um, i mean yeah. and that's underscored at the very beginning when you get sarik comes in and 
Sarek? Sarek. Why did I say Sarek? I don't know. Sarek. And then there's Sarek. <laughs> so you're good. You're good. When Sarek arrives <laughs> and is um, just like adamant, like Kirk, he would have told you. Like you are his best yeah. friend. Like yeah. why do you not know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, and I think that's... I, it just, I, I, it's nice. It just underscores <laughs> how close these two men were. Like that, you know, even Spock's dad is like, come on, like yeah. you're his best friend. Come on. We, we Level with this. me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know come what I'm on. talking about. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, the lengths that you'll go to, you'll steal a ship, you'll end, effectively end your career in Starfleet. Yeah. In order to save your best friend. Yeah. And he does it. He doesn't. Well, they all do it. They do it together. They as, do. As and there family. are consequences. Sort of. Sort of. Hinted at, anyway. Well, we, later get, the, on. we get them later on. Yeah. But yes, yes, for now, this is this is how it is. Um, and beyond the friendship one, there's also obviously a few, you know, there, there's more of a spiritual tone to this. And I think, you know, the the, the Vulcans being presented as they are, th- again, this is only like the second time we visit Vulcan after mm-hmm. a mock time. Uh, you know, this is our second kind of insight into what Vulcan culture is like. Um, and it's very mystical. It's very mm-hmm. spiritual. It's it's for a place that is rooted in logic and yeah. rationality. Yeah. Their 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 telepathic abilities really kind of lend themselves to having this this deep spiritual but it's a shock, side. It's a shocking. You would think that a logical group of people would not have such a strong tie to something that is so intangible. Yeah. Right. But it is tangible to them because they they, is, they, yeah, they have these abilities. And, right? and that that mind body dualism that yeah. it comes out the philosophical underpinnings of that you know is Spock Spock without his brain? Yeah. Without his, no, without no, his, brain, his brain. We've, that, we've, we've seen that, that episode, Spock. But, yeah. <laughs> um, without his katra, without his soul. Yeah. Like who is Spock? Where yeah. is Spock? Who who is Spock? Yeah. Right? And we and see him without his yeah. without Spock. Yeah. And he's just a boy and then he's a an old an older man or you Yeah. Know. But he's not he's not Spock. Not Spock until he gets his he's reintegrated. So it's it's like an interesting philosophical, I think not conundrum, but question that mm-hmm. you want to ask. Yeah. And that is uniquely asked of Vulcans because they exist in this yeah. unique world. Yeah, and, and it's it's it does beg the question a little bit i think between that and obviously there's a lot of christian themes about you know rebirth and you know he's very he's very jesus yeah spock in this movie is very jesus um so you know it kind of begs the question of uh you know is this not begs the question it asks the question Mm -hmm. of is this you know in keeping with the the kind of agnostic atheistic um world of star trek yeah Yeah, the irreligious is a good way to put it thanks lens of of star trek you know it really it hasn't quite hit you know uh who watched the watchers uh, episode of Star Trek Next Generation levels yeah. yet, where Kirk's or Picard's like, no, I will never send these people back to the Dark Ages. That's insane. Right, like, right, right. You know, we can't do that. So, uh, but, but, does, but that is kind of been there throughout the whole series, and and this kind of wrestles with it in a slightly different way. Well, right? and I think it's a film, and and the the you can't get away from some of these Judeo Christian. Um, mythology, mythological story Elements, yeah. tropes, I guess, yeah. that have become part of Western literature. Um, the idea that you would have somebody die and be reborn after a certain period of time, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, because it's because it's Spock and because it's happening in a sci-fi series, we kind of think, oh my god, like this, and a sci-fi series that was so adamantly non-religious, yeah, like from the creator's own mouth, yeah. Um, to have this this film and the last film be so tied up in these ideas of sacrifice and rebirth and resurrection 
kind of does strike you as odd, but it does make sense from a film standpoint because mm-hmm. that is something that you would see in a big blockbuster film. This this big theme of life after death or you know yeah and i mean it, it and again it borrows from the previous movie where yeah. you know it's talking about death and facing death and, mm-hmm. and also but then there's also genesis you know life right. from from death right. you know and it's so it, the, the, called the, genesis even. yeah yeah like. <laughs> yeah and, it, and it's it's you know it's called to and it's it's referenced back to here and and i feel like uh we'll talk about the Klingons in a little bit but you know the fact that the Klingons viewed the Genesis as a weapon of mass destruction first and foremost, and not as a yeah a as a of weapon creation. of creation, yeah, yeah. is is uh, it's telling, right? Yeah, it's yeah, and it, and it helps to flesh out the Klingon Empire as logical in their own sense. I yeah. guess like there is there is a culture like that's that is fully realized underneath this warrior yeah. class of of person that we see on screen. Yeah. Um, that it just makes sense to them that they would use this to destroy something. It makes as much sense to them as as Katras and yeah. all this makes sense to Vulcans, to Vulcans right? Yeah. So I don't know if you could say it draws parallels, but it they're not quite foils for each other either. No. But it, it's, it is interesting. I think more so that the Federation sees it as creation and the Klingons see it as destruction and mm-hmm. like a tool of oppression and dominion over others yeah which i guess nimoy really pushed for this like cold war uh soviet yeah like nuclear weapon type thing with the klingons even though they look and act very samurai like yeah like well yeah okay well let's let's jump there Lindsay. let's go for it uh let's talk about the klingons um because in the original series obviously you had very different sense of them they, yeah. they, they did still have this kind of like soviet bad guy vibe it was it them. was more soviet in in the original series i think than it yeah yeah, totally. yeah that's what i'm saying yeah i was talking about the original series because the original i remember series i remember that. us talking about how they were based on samurai and i you don't see that until no 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 well yeah. yeah exactly yeah this is when that switch happens yeah. i mean you get a little bit in the motion picture when they have that one ship and you get a you get the the visual differences they've like yeah. oh they built a clear on they have a little bit of language that mm-hmm. james Doohan did he actually yes. write that yeah then we talked about that right um so uh, in here, and they've they've they expand the language. It's the yeah. first conlang that really kind of like takes off, uh, and you know now you can watch Hamlet in the original Klingon. Uh, <laughs> but there is, uh, you know, you you really start expanding this this definition of what the Klingons are, and and really establishing that tone of them as not only the big bad guy, mm-hmm. but the um, yeah this this thing that's based very heavily on on honor yeah, and warrior sacrifice. spirit and, and mm-hmm. sacrifice and, and stuff and the way you know it set up great uh and i feel like sorry it set up great i've got too many thoughts here but yeah. it set up great in that that scene where uh krug destroys his girlfriend yes you know they have some sort of relationship there she uh, just accepts it. and she just accepts like, it this is and this is my role this is, is well i here. fucked up and now yeah. i'm gonna die with honor and we because again when you grow up in in next generation land and you see Worf <laughs> droning on yes. about honor for for seven yeah. seasons you know you you really have this it's a very clear sense that they had this species down but this shift is where you start to see that yeah and yeah the 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 aesthetic like the 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 militarized uh armor that very much channels Bushido. well yeah yeah but very samurai like yeah well. yeah everything's just like it's straight out of 1600s samurai drawings and stuff like that and right? and there's this there's a scene where um 
Krug realizes he's been outsmarted by Kirk. Yeah. And there's like this deep sense of shame that comes over yeah, him. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. That it's it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Somebody who has been outsmarted by their enemy would feel, in this culture, would yeah. feel like that like great dishonor, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah, you hear about it from Worf. You hear yeah. about it in Deus Ex 9, but... But seeing it here, yeah. um, like the first if, you, time, if yeah. you've never, yeah, if you've never yeah. seen it before, yeah. it it really does. And that, I can see why people, you know, understanding coming into Next Generation, you know, which is set eighty some years after the events of this film, mm-hmm. or a hundred years almost after yeah. this film, um, would be like. Wow. Oh, wow, why is there a Klingon there a on the bridge of a yeah. Federation ship? Because yeah. they're they're so different. Yeah, but yeah, and, and that was that was. I mean, we'll talk about it when we get to the next generation. But <laughs> mm-hmm. it really is an amazing like uh, leap of faith from Roddenberry to say like, yeah. oh no, in a hundred years, our greatest yeah. enemies will be our friends. We'll be our friends. Yeah. We're gonna have yeah. this uh, truce, and yeah. and not only that, we'll have guys serving on like Klingons serving yeah. on our flagship. Yeah. Yeah. Like what the hell? Yeah. Like it's just, yeah. It's, within it's really within <laughs> three generations. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's great. Hey, better, 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 better. Hey, better, 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 better. Steps to the opposition. Hey, This episode is brought to you by, I can't believe it's not Gah. Gathered from the soil of the Genesis planet, these creepy crawlies will satisfy your urge for wriggling worms, but with half the calories. The same slimy texture and irony taste as you'd expect from the finest Kronos restaurants. No need to add the blood of your enemies to this dish. They come preloaded with nutrient-rich plasma created in the protomatter sludge that didn't exist two days ago. And there's the added benefit. Just wait a few hours and they'll quadruple in size and ferocity, meaning you too can wrestle your meal to the ground with honor. Look for I Can't Believe It's Not Gach in your nearest grocery aisle today. I am going to take credit for the title of that yes. one. Lindsay said, like... I don't know what to do for this ad break. I, I want to do something with food. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe it's not Gach. And there it was. So uh, Yeah, you, but you, you helped it, me out a lot with the... Uh, well, the I, title... I gave you the start. Yeah. yeah, you, yeah. Your idea was the genesis. Oh, uh, that is uh, brutal. Uh, thank Aiden, you. <laughs> let's talk about Katras. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, the whole idea... Um, the idea that, that McCoy would have Spock inside of him. Yeah. Not in a sexual way, but, well, you could go that way, too. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, the, the these two characters that have been polar opposites yeah. their whole life. And that's one of my favorite performances is uh, DeForest Kelly when he when he's trying to get off the planet. Yeah. And he's got, like, that's he's obviously logical. got... Yeah, and he's just, like, he's quoting Spock. Yeah. And yet also still McCoy. Like, yeah. I wish we could watch him just for like 45 minutes, just struggle with this. this. Yeah. 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 It would have been amazing. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a really cool. uh, And we didn't mention that like, if they don't get Spock's soul out of McCoy, he will die. Yeah. Right. So it's like, um, that green blooded son of a bitch is, uh, is going to kill him. Right. And, and yet, and yet he still goes through because the, the friendship, you know, for all the, the stuff that they've gone through and the way that they've treated each other, there is, there is a friendship there. And again, it's almost more, um, that theme of friendship almost applies more to McCoy. Yeah. You know, cause now it's life or death. It's not just your career in, in yeah. Starfleet. It's yeah. your, your entire life yeah. could be at stake if you don't do this thing yeah. for your friend. Yeah. So or it's, enemy. yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Nemesis. Not really. No. They're frenemies. They're, they're, they're frenemies. Be, they're best frenemies. frenemies. I uh, love it. Yeah. Um, 
But I want to talk about the pond fire scene. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> Lindsay, I didn't realize they did it. I know. Me until neither. this what time. The hell? Where have we been watching these movies? I don't or know. Do we just like sleep through them? I don't know. Like I, they wake up and they're they're then they're lying on the ground next to each other. In any other movie, you'd be like, yeah, they bone. But in this one, I'm like, they're Vulcans. They don't bone. Yeah. But like this time, watching them like do the finger thing, <laughs> and I was just like. Oh, oh yeah. He's a teenager. Yeah, yeah. You're a grown-ass woman, Savick. Well, it was that or he kills her. And then, probably. Well, <laughs> um, and then, like, finding out that, like, I thought it was in a novelization, but I think it was in an original draft of Yes, The Voyage Home, yes. That Savick was supposed to be in it and was supposed to be pregnant with Spock's child. Yeah. So I went into this film with that in mind, and I think that colored the way I saw that scene because I, like you, had never thought about them actually having sex. Yeah. I figured it was just some sort of like mind meldy type thing, like yeah, or, or like yeah. the emotional part of yeah. the far. Like we've now we've mated, but no, it needs to like they needed to bone, and yeah. they did. Yeah, and it's it's a little, it's a little icky because especially because he's not he's not all there. No, like he's not anybody really. He has, he has no contract. He's he's so, just like limbic system. He is a teenager. He's a teenager. So I wow. mean, she went for it, and yeah, it's it's a little it's a little gross now that I realize it. So. I think that's funny that you and I both didn't realize it. Well, and I've watched these movies oh. much more than you over the oh. years as a child. So it's worse for you, definitely. It's worse for me. Definitely. For sure. Picks log started 2283 4.9. Whilst charting an uncharted trinary star system in the Alpha Omega Zeta cluster, I thought back on one of the great figures of Starfleet history Captain Kirk. In particular, Captain Kirk and his only recognized biological offspring, David Marcus. In further particular, the representation of David Marcus in one of the great cinematic recreations of the exploits of the USS Enterprise, Star Trek III The Search for Spock. In even further particularity, I found myself questioning whether the death of Dear David had the effect on the audience that it seemed intended to have. A character we've known only for a brief period of time, whose connection to his father is tenuous at best, is nonetheless presented as a major concern for characters and audience alike. But is it? Does this dramatic sleight of hand, David's death, achieve its intended effect? Cadet junior class Lindsay and I will undoubtedly have to discuss this point at our next meeting. Seeing as she has been wrong about so many other things, I will undoubtedly have to determine my own position on the subject after she pontificates on her own undoubtedly incorrect approach. So Lindsay, does David's death work in the film? Does it does it feel like it it's earned and does it does it contribute to the overall message of the film? Um, I kind of have thoughts, but I'd love to hear yours first <laughs> if you've got some ready to go. I mean, no, I don't think it does. <laughs> I mean, as much as that scene where Kirk finds out his son is is dead and yeah. that, how affecting that scene is and how well it's, it's acted, um, I just don't think there's enough of a, like an, a buildup for that. We just found out, like really three hours ago in you know linear time yeah. of the movie existence yeah. um that he had a son in the first place and yeah. now we're we're supposed to believe that he would be this upset over the death of somebody he really had nothing to do with didn't know about well knew about but didn't you know have a hand in raising or anything like that like i don't know if if like paternal bonds 
I don't know. I don't have any kids. Maybe maybe it does exist. The minute you know that you have a son, you're like, oh, well. Well, he knew about him in, in yeah, uh, Khan as well. Like, I, he's no, like, that's, that's David? That's, that's oh, what yeah, I mean. Okay, like, yeah. but, but that's when he found out he had, well, not that he found out he had a son. But he meets him. We found out yes. that he had a son. Yeah. So I just feel like, yes, okay, fine. It makes sense that there would be, you know, his son was the creator, the progenitor of Genesis, um, and that he would be on the planet and yes, I guess there's the sense that, you know, he has to atone for his sins of, of uh, you know, including this proto-matter in the, in the Genesis device to begin with. But I just don't know that it's necessarily earned. I would, I would kind of agree. I will take the other side just to play devil's advocate, which you claim I do in every single one of our discussions, yep. but that's not true. Uh so I would say, though, that it does match with the idea that that life requires death, okay. um, which is really what, you know, the whole Genesis planet uh, conceit kind of generates for Spock. Like Genesis has to die in order for Spock to, to be reborn. You can't have uh, the creation of life without any consequences, without without uh, pain and suffering. You know, you need a little bit of Garmin Bosey <laughs> to go along with your 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 positive things right and and it is it is about the hubris of of creation creation and and how maybe that is best left to spiritual gods yeah to gods yeah and the spiritual side of things right like no humans should not be creating (laughs) life uh you know if it turns out badly when we when we get to uppity and and this is yes donald or david's the one who winds up having to pay for it um but it really applies to everyone within this little mini jesus narrative that that they've kind of spun in this movie and i don't know if that's that's necessarily fair but i get where they're going with this but i do agree the part that bothers me is that yes the whole impact on kirk yeah doesn't feel earned i will i will grant that for sure um i feel like I feel like it would have been almost better if it was if it was Carol Marcus instead, because mm. we kind of got a little bit more of their. We knew they had a strong relationship, obviously, in order to produce David in the first place. Right. Like if Carol was the one down there with Savick and she was the one who wound up sacrificing herself, uh, you know, very Jesus like again to to save uh, Spock and, and Savick. Maybe you get Kirk's reaction a little bit more. But what do you make of the sense that? Savik, it seems like Savik was the one who's going to be killed. That the Klingon yeah. was going to kill Savik, and then David turns around and attacks the Klingon. Yeah, just that he's like, yeah, he's he's as impulsive as his dad. But that's not something that we've seen. Like he kind yeah. of resents that about his dad, you know, and and so does Savik. Like they both comment on how you know irrational yeah, just, it is yeah. that well, he and, does and, that. Yeah, and you're just like your father, you know, like yeah. or like yeah, you you. uh you're you you're not you're impatient you can't wait for things just like your right. father you know kind of that 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 kind of parallel is hinted at but it's also a testament to heroism maybe i mean like the fact that david tries to protect somebody but he doesn't have his dad's you know starfleet training and and cool wits so i don't know i mean i guess i can i i can see your point of view on it i don't know i don't want to give you this one but i think i'm gonna have to no, I'd, I'd say I have to give it to you, actually. At some point, at some point, we're actually going to have to bicker on this podcast. Well, no, I mean, I think, I mean, we had a pretty good one last week, didn't we? Yeah, we did. You're right. Yeah, because you're wrong about everything. <laughs> so I take it back. I don't give this one to you at all. You're absolutely right. I'm correct. So thank Well, you. the thing is, I could have argued either side on this one. Yeah, I really so. could. So I, and I was the one who came up with the question, so. 
Well, isn't that convenient? You come out on top either way. That's just so nice for you. Bickering is pointless. I'll check on the captain's progress. So next episode, we'll obviously be moving on to... The one with the whales? The one with the whales. Uh, One of my favorites. Uh, I think that one will be a very fun... Just a fun episode. I think it's, we'll just enjoy the, the thing. About it. You, you know, if you're going to introduce someone, there's so many questions. You hear this on, or read it on Reddit, and you see it everywhere. I want to introduce my nephew to yeah, Star Trek. Yeah. What do I do? Yeah. How do I start? Start with this movie. Start with the whales. This is start with the whales. Yeah, it's it, it's the most accessible of any of the films. Yeah, and it does a good job of like establishing the characters again and stuff like that. I feel like Wrath of Khan is still a really solid one if they're into like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're into drama and, and stuff like that. And old enough to handle yeah, the, yeah. you know, yeah. bug in the ear thing. Yeah, but... <laughs> which I'm not, so... And, you know, the radiation death and, you know, all yeah, these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, But, I mean, yeah, if you're if you're talking to like a 12-year-old yeah. nephew, uh, thinking of you, my 12-year-old nephew, <laughs> uh, you know, one day we will, if you haven't watched it already, we're going to definitely be watching uh, The Voyage Home. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, join us for, for that episode. It'll, it'll be a great time, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you for joining us here today. Um, and I think now, you know, after an episode that's so focused on Vulcan ideology, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. You're going to make me say it, aren't you? I, I would love it if you did. Not today, honey. Uh, no. Sorry, sweethearts. It's not happening. Well, I'm still going to say it. Go for it. Live long and prosper, listeners. Except for you, Aiden. I'm not a listener. You're listening to me. You can find all our episodes on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast fix. We love to talk Star Trek with our fellow nerds, and would love to hear from you if you have thoughts or ideas about any of our discussions or the topics we've brought up. You can reach out to us on Twitter, that's at TheBixPod, or by email at TheBixPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Beam us up, Scotty.